Yo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of Fun Wit Dumb. We are here in my Koreatown headquarters, uh, joined by a friend that we ha- we actually haven't talked in a long time. Um, this is first time catching up in months, maybe even a year. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think the last time. I mean, I saw you at E's uh, memorial concert. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. That was that was within this year within the year within the year yeah, yeah but maybe yeah. like eight months or something yeah and this is a, a friend who's um helped out a lot of our core group with um you know uh touring and also a, a, a fellow collaborator in our circle mr george watsky what's that man how are you doing I'm good i'm so excited <laughs> to be here man good to talk to you nah thank you for finally pulling up he's always been down to do it just we've just been trying to figure out a, a time to do it and um first and foremost man just how are you I'm good. I just came from a rock climbing lesson. I'm trying to get exercise. I live in a complex that has a rock climbing gym at it. Ooh, that's tight. And I like never exercise usually, but I'm trying to like, you know, be on my New Year's resolution. That is a fire amenity, by the way, a complex that has a rock climbing situation. It's this spot called the Brewery Artist Lofts that used to be the old Pabst Brewery. And then in like the early 80s, they converted it into visual artist live workspaces oh wow and i live in a loft with a 65 year old man oh wow <laughs> that is some watsky ass shit right there. that's what everybody says they're like dude you're the old <laughs> like i swear i knew you were gonna live with like an old man or something uh and then my other roommate was a stilt walker it's just like a burning man like weirdo yeah. community of cool people that also has a rock climbing gym at it yeah I, I mean let me just actually i forgot to kind of give an intro uh for those who may not be familiar with watsky he is an um all-around artist from musician to poet a uh, visual artist um uh, you are a writer who's put published a couple books as well right uh one yeah one. i did an essay collection essay collection um and a spoken word artist turned hip-hop artist and have been touring very successfully for the last decade now and like um, and I've, I got, it, uh, you've taken me out on some of the most like longest runs in, in, at a time. You, you do these like really long runs of like 30 plus cities Yeah, and, uh, it's intense for sure. You know, um, I think, I feel like, do you think you have a little bit of that figured out a little more? Cause I know when I went out with you a couple of times, there was a lot of conflict even within the group, which is natural, right? I was a stress case. I mean, I think you came on my first tour. 2012 Mm. uh the nothing like the first time tour and the cardboard castles tour so the first two big ones and i mean i was so so stressed because i wanted it to work so bad but yeah definitely i mean it's it's what that was 2012 it's 2020 that's almost a decade ago you know i didn't think about that so crazy and in both of them i mean it's like you had the first one and then the second one cardboard castles and both of them still had you know kinks that had to be worked out Um, yeah does that ever really end I mean, we, I think we have a formula now. Right. I don't get stressed on the road anymore. Like I've learned to delegate a lot of decision-making to other people who are good or better than me at what they do, you know? So I, I feel like maybe starting with my Welcome to the Family Tour, which was 2018, was the first time I went out and felt like, you know, I've always, I always enjoyed touring, but it's the first time I went out and I didn't feel stressed at all. Mm-hmm. I was like this, we figured out how to run this, how to divide the jobs, 
there's a lot of logistics and yeah. I feel like just setting it up to a way where it's going to run smoothly and people aren't going to get stressed and you know you have a chain of communication and stuff. I think it took us like 6 years to get to that point where that was in place, but And I will say, yeah. I mean, you know, I have the same experience of putting together these super independent tours and it really takes a lot of the patience of like someone who is the headliner who's a tour is around. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I know for me too. A lot of the times when I'm headlining a tour that I organized, there's conflicts within everyone below me, and I just yeah. kind of have to step in and be like, yo, if I'm cool, then you all could be cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you set a tone. I mean, I remember, and I think about this when I think about how my own relationship with touring has evolved and how my mentality has changed and how I'm grateful that I've been able to do it long enough that I'm not as stressed as I was at the beginning, but I think about a moment, and I, I apologize to you for this a couple years ago, but I still think about that moment at the Paradise Rock Club in uh, 2013 where you went like a minute over your time or something and I like snapped at you for going Oh, yeah, I don't even time. remember that. But. You don't even remember? I, it sticks with me <laughs> though because I remember like like being butthurt, you know? I was right, like, right, right. Like I just, I, I carried a lot of stress basically. Mm. And, um, you, and are, you are a road warrior. I feel like you get, that probably bugged you because of how meticulous you are about everything, um, you know, with your live shows. And there was a time I feel like you got really, really into touring. Like you yeah. loved it. You I, know? I do love it, but I also overdid it. I mean, from 2012 to 2014, the the show that I did with uh, with Brandon, you know, like that rolled right from 2013. I jumped off that rafter in London in mm. 2013, and I was just in a fucking weird headspace. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I felt like I had to maximize this moment that was still kind of the moment of the viral video right. that was still percolating. Um, was, and was that like when that peak of when you, you know, stage dive from that crazy rafter, like was that, was that peak like you just got a high off of keep challenging yourself every show or what what was it exactly it was just it was it was always wanting to to maximize any show to make it as entertaining as possible for the audience and mm. to have it be the kind of thing that you know I'm at warp tour in London this is by no means a defense of that decision because it was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever done in my life but like I think my mentality was I'm here with all these other artists there's 15 people on this bill, what am I gonna do so oh, that these okay. people are gonna remember me afterwards? Right, so, right. so that the people who didn't come to see me are gonna wanna check me out in the future. It definitely wasn't, let me do some reckless shit and possibly like maim or kill someone. Uh, it's And when you watch how high it was, it's crazy to think that that wasn't in my mind because any like correctly thinking person would realize this is an extremely dangerous thing to that do. That shit, till this day, I, I see that video and it looks so fucking crazy high. It's so stupid, man. I, I mean, I, I was getting away with jumping off of shit and getting getting egged on by the audience. You know, right. they would cheer for me, they would chant my name afterwards. Again, not an excuse for it, but an explanation of where my mind state was I get a little it. bit. I get you know, it. an escalation of antics and stuff and uh, and you know, and the shit hit the fan and, and fortunately for me, like I didn't kill someone or myself. I mean you know? it's I'm sure it's the adrenaline. Was there ever another situation where it was just as dangerous as that? Or was it would you say that was the pretty much the no. da most dangerous situation you I ever think put I yourself in? I think I took like whatever I'd done before that and multiplied it by like a factor of two or three in that moment. Oh, was that like an exponential like yeah, jump from leap, like literally. Um <laughs> there was I mean the only thing I could compare to it was um we played 
Freak Fest in Madison, which is uh, on the University of Wisconsin Madison campus, mm. their their annual Halloween festival, and and I was on the show with Chitty Bang, and we played right before them. It was like a big campus thing, and it was outdoors, and it was in a street that was shut down that was la- lined by frat houses mm. on either side of it, and I in the last last song of our set, ran off stage, ran down the block, asked some frat kids who were standing on their porch if I could go into their house, and then I walked, I ran up the stairs of the frat house and then onto the <laughs> roof of the frat house and then jumped off the frat house roof into the crowd. Oh, shit. Um, I, like, I like how you just MacGyver these, like, <laughs> routes to get up somehow. <laughs> we were also all wearing Ninja Turtle costumes as a band. Uh, That's amazing. And, and I created some conflict with my band in that moment because... It, it it was still in that zone where I was trying to tell the band like, you know, now I go with the flow. If people aren't into something, if if we're not as a group down for something, I immediately abandon the idea. Uh, but I was like, we gotta dress up in costumes. We gotta do something fun. We're gonna let's let's go to the Halloween superstore in Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> and like, we got Ninja Turtle costumes, and there were like three good ones. And then Pat Dimitri got the like crappy one because yeah. they didn't have enough like good foam costumes. That's so amazing. He I- had to wear the like non-muscle suit <laughs> Ninja Turtle costume. I, I I'll say another thing. I, I love that till this day. I mean, we when I, I first joined your tour, it was about you know, eight years ago, and you still kind of, you've kept the same crew. Very similar. Yeah. I mean, Pat was played guitar on that one. Mm-hmm. Kush was the organ player. He's still in the band. He switched to bass because he doesn't like carrying around that big-ass B3 <laughs> organ. He oh, was like, yeah, he was. Y'all would lug that thing around yeah, across country. He had a chop-down Hammond B3, and, and he wanted to do it because... I mean, not just because he grew up on Soul Live. That's some purest shit, right Those there. Those of you who know the band Soul Live, that's that's the yeah. I think the Neil Evans mm-hmm. setup. I could be wrong. It could be a different musician in it, but it's a clavinet stacked on top of an organ. And Kush is really good at multiple hand yeah. stuff. But then he realized, like, this is fucking <laughs> that was heavy. some purest. That was some purest shit, right it's there. It's cool. I mean, it's on the not the live album from that tour. But yeah, he's just plays bass now and plugs in. And yeah, I mean, and then also even in this, uh, you got an upcoming tour, but you you have all these like a lot of the opening acts are people you've rocked with for like last 10 years you know yeah i mean um we what i tried to do this time was bring a main support who could ride the bus with us and do the whole tour and then have the other acts who wouldn't have to commit to as long a section of the tour Mm. who are like all the homies from the past and you know for like spose or wax or um chukudi who used to drum for me who is still the homie he's playing la um you know, they'd only have to roll up for one show and wouldn't have to give up a week, two weeks, right. a month of their lives. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of the usual folks. That was kind of built into the whole vision behind this tour, which we're doing these four shows where in each of the cities that I wrote the corresponding album to, we're playing that album back to back. Oh, wow. So like in LA, I'm doing the, the All You Can Do album that I uh, made with Breezy. And in um, New York, I'm doing Times Infinity, which I I wrote there in 2015. San Francisco, I'm playing Carver Castles. And then in um, Boston, I'm doing my self-titled one that barely anybody's heard, but I made when I was in college. And, <laughs> you know, that's where I went to school. By the way, you're looking at some of the f- the the few people who have toured with both Breezy Lovejoy and Anderson Pack yeah. actually <laughs> let me just throw oh, that man. out there two two different people <laughs> two different people same guy um, dude the, Breezy Lovejoy is the one who couldn't dance yet <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe man I've seen him a few times since 
you know his his huge break yeah and he's so fucking good at dancing oh, now he, you know I, I i he was like the dude who was definitely like warming up like i would always see him practice yeah. a little bit you know what i mean i mean he could always move and he always had so much confidence that he would throw his whole body into everything right. and i feel like because he's not tentative and he was always like so passionate he, it was an infectious energy in his movement, but now he like he oh, has yeah. moves. He's like Prince moves, and he's and like shit. funny too. He's so funny. Yeah. I just saw clips of him on Price is Right, and he's just oh, fucking ridiculous. They did like a celebrity episode or something. Yeah, and he's just he, he, they call his name up. He's acting like a guest. <laughs> he's just wilding on stage, That's Millie tight. rocking and everything. It's just Who, who's the host of Price is Right now? Drew Carey. Oh shit. Drew Carey. Is He's, he still saving the dogs in Spain and neutering them and stuff? Is that it? is that what's going on? I no, that was the Bob Barker thing. Spay, oh. spay and neuter your pet. I don't know why he was so obsessed with cutting dogs' nuts off, but like that was <laughs> that's a that's a strange cause <laughs> like that you dedicate your whole thing to. It's like everyone's like, how about this? It's kids in Africa <laughs> starving. How about water and Flint? It's like no, I let's don't go. want dogs to have testicles. <laughs> <laughs> this is my focus. We're gonna focus on this. This is what my charity does. I know it. it needs to be done. I understand it's a good thing. To do i'll say that but yeah it's it's a strange yeah it's strange um let me ask you this because um in the last couple of years i've kind of uh we, we we catch up once in a while like we don't hang out often so when i uh check in with you once in a while i find i find you kind of in a little retreat of some sorts i feel like mm. you know you either move somewhere or you're just kind of isolated whether it's working on a project or sometimes it's not even art art related yeah is that something you just kind of like need for yourself or how or something happens maybe that you, you know. I mean, what I found that's worked for me as a lifestyle the last few years is to do these tours and then to energize myself to want to do it again by not being on the road for a while and also not being on the internet for a while. Mm. So I'll like get off social media for four or five months and I'll I'll try to get my head straight and figure out like, you know, what what's the next phase of what I'm gonna do, try to grow as a person, try to have that reflected in my next album, my next project. Uh, and the way that that's been the last few years is that I've subletted some spot and lived at some like new place because I've been moving around and had my shit in storage. It's worked, but I'm also kind of sick of it. And I'm hoping that after this tour, I could maybe buy something and like right. kind of build a more like adult lifestyle and mm -hmm. adult version of that. Yeah. Still like have the creative retreats, get off the internet. And, and what's been cool about that at first it was scary and thinking like, oh fuck, I'm going to get off Twitter and then my career is going to slip away because I'm mm. not posting about every current event thing that's happening. But I realized it was the opposite. Like I'd go away and then people and my fans would be excited to have me back because, right. you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm. And, and, and I think it also magnifies what you do choose to say if you say a little less on the internet. Yeah. So that's it's been I nice. That. I feel that I'm 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 doing a little too much on the internet right now, but I I actually need that kind of detox yeah. uh, it soon actually, and I've been thinking about that a lot. This episode of Fun with Dumb is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something out there that's interfering with your happiness? Well, BetterHelp Online Counseling is here for you. I know in the Asian community, uh, therapy is very taboo. We didn't have that really growing up. We kind of had this like get over it mentality, and there's a lot of built up trauma in our community. Yeah, uh, so even for me, 
therapy was something I was scared of, but um, I've used their service here and they connect you with professional counselors in a very safe and private online environment. You can get help on your own time, at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions and you can even do this through chat and text with your therapist. Uh, We got licensed professional counselors uh, that specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, uh, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and anything you share is completely confidential. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists all across 50 states. I think this is a great service for anybody who might be nervous about therapy. Um, And if there's financial aid that's available for those who qualified, super affordable, and uh, best of all, Right now, for all my listeners, you get 10% off of your first month with the discount code FUNWITDUMB. So all my FUNWITDUMB listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code FUNWITDUMB. That's no spaces. So go to betterhelp.com slash FUNWITDUMB to get that 10% off. Fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get uh, they match you up with the counselors that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash fun with dumb to get that 10 percent off trust me do this for yourself 2020 health is wealth uh you know take care of your well-being man i wanted to ask you this because every project you have is so uh, it's curated so well with i mean and and uh, collabed really well with um you know directors and graphic designers and everything i want to know like the process you go through from when you whether you lock yourself in and think about what the concept of the next product is going to be, um, you writing. I want to know from like beginning mm. to end when it comes out. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the context of this next project that yeah. I'm doing because that's sure. like the escalation of of kind of how I've been looking at them okay. for the last few albums, which is after I did my 2016 album, Times Infinity, which was 18 tracks, and you know you were on the last track, Exquisite Corpse. Mm-hmm. The whole idea was to have the most like, you know, minimalist is an aesthetic where you boil things down to their most essential components and then have something that's like really tasty and, and you know, just a few lines defining what, what you want people to think. My, that was a maximalist album. It was like right. horns, strings, I see. 18 tracks, concept <laughs> songs, like co- songs from different people's perspectives, songs that are four verses long and that like right. they change it completely in the middle of the song and then a four song suite with classical music at the end that like yeah. tells the story of all these interconnected stories. And then, and then after that album ends, <laughs> it has an eight minute bonus song right, after right. three minutes of silence <laughs> that has like seven guest rappers That's on it. I wanted yeah. to be like so extreme right. that it's like, it got so extra that people are like, this is fucking whack. Did and that then, happen early on? Like going into it, you're like, I'm going to make this the most yeah, yeah. Know, layers of shit. I was like, I, I love rap that plays with form and plays with like what the genre can be. I want this album to be my experimentation for that. And I want to make it extreme and I want it to go around the horn of people thinking that it's too much to people feeling like it's enough again. Mm. You know, like when when something becomes so hot that it feels cold. Right. Um, And then after that, I put out a nine track album called Complaint in um, in last year that I think maybe some of my fans were a little bit surprised by its lack of ambition because it was only nine songs. It was like a breakup album. It had pop elements and stuff. Uh, but, you know, we're recording this before the announcement's happening, but now it's coming out after. My my second album, the the surprise is that it's part of a three album series. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I've, I've been sitting on this reveal. Like, I fucking hate keeping secrets, but my my thought process was, okay, 
I did this really ambitious album. I don't want to stop getting more ambitious. I yeah. want to keep getting more ambitious, but I want to acknowledge that 18 track albums that you go crawl into a cave and then sit on for two years and then you know i and then i put out a music video for every song on the album i basically like bled my bank account dry like <laughs> it was not a financially <laughs> like wise decision right. it had nothing to do with the way music's being released in right in this era so my my goal was like how do i escalate the ambition and then marry that to an acknowledgement of the way that music works mm. in 2019, 2020. Um, and so what I came up with was a series of albums that operate like as a, as a cohesive series together, but each album uh, tells its own part of the story and be, can be consumed like on its own. So I sat down with a, a data scientist, a linguist. My idea was I'm going to have a three, <laughs> a, album, a three album series. And I love threes. I love nines. Like three is my life number. <laughs> like I've always been a nine yeah, like, person. Yeah. I, I love traditional storytelling and like three act story structure, beginnings, middles, and ends. Right. I always have like conceived in my projects. So I, I was like, okay, I want this project to be based around threes and triangles. And um, I started like dropping in these three concentric triangle uh, hints even before my album came out, because I wanted people to see retroactively all of the clues that I was going to plant about the significance of this, that that once they get the second album and the third album in the series, they're going to be able to experience deeper layers of meaning in the first project mm. than they experienced the first time around. And is there there's a like a is it like a beginning, middle, end feel? Yeah. And so this data scientist, this guy named Bernie Beckerman, who I've known from San Francisco for years and then went off to be this like PhD candidate at the University of Chicago in data science. Uh, at first, I was trying to do this on a sheet of paper where I wanted each of the albums to have block text for the title and complaint on its cover is in big block letters, C-O-M-P-L-A-I-N-T, three columns and three mm -hmm. rows. And I said to Bernie, like, I want this series of albums to have a word puzzle that when you put the three... right covers next to each other you can read the title on each of the covers but you can also read across the three covers that they're basically like you know this this organism right. that exists together and so we created this set of rules before knowing what the titles were um, an algorithm that told the computer what the rules were and then fed the english dictionary into it and the rule was you needed to be able to read it across each row and then also within each cover oh, and shit. it was crazy because it, it was an experiment you know yeah. it might not have worked it might have been these words that it gave us that are like you know so crappy and like gimmicky that right. I would never want to write an album around it and then it spit out one answer okay one set of three words that worked this way in the whole English language that interlocked this way and um I'm not going to say the third one because yeah. I'm not talking about that yet. But right. the first one was complaint, mm -hmm. and the second one was placement, and the third one um, is soon to be revealed. Well, in like a year or something, I don't know, or two yeah. years. Who knows how long it'll take me? That's but that's interesting. I'll though. tell you if you just bleep it out or something. No, no, no. You can tell me later. I, I, yeah, I could wait too. <laughs> I'll show you because I I had a little 3D object made um, that I that was my promo video of of releasing this thing, um, and I had it like made into a piece of brass that I could sort of like, without explaining what it was happening, 
show people how I was doing this. So complaint Sick. was the first one, placement's the second one. And you're gonna put it here? I left the third side blank because you know I'm not talking about that yet. Um, but basically, you can read it reflectively, and um, and this is this will be a key to a door you can unlock <laughs> hundreds yeah, exactly. of years from now. That the champagne room. That have the rhyme books of Watsky. Yeah. And whatever you choose to do with those rhyme books, aliens. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so anyway, everything flows from the original, you know, your, your first question, like how do I come up with the idea? Yeah. And how do I fill in everything else? The original idea is just, I wanna do this segmented project. It's in three series. Each album has nine tracks on it. Um, so it's gonna be 27 tracks of this like whole project overall. And then every like artistic choice, visually, music videos, the tour itself flows from that first decision. Right. And then like, what's the organic choice that, you know, comes from that. And right. It, and, it, and then to try to treat every element to it um, with just the same care. That's why I'm doing those four albums in, um, in, different cities because placement to me what I interpreted that to be was the album about the city I grew up in um, mm. the places that made me who I am and whereas complaint was about a very small like zoomed in portion of my life that like few months I was living in when I wrote it the breakup I was going through placement is about about people and environment and I was like why not go into the environments where I made my albums and and perform them that's tight did you feel like when the words came back like it was like a sign yeah did you feel like that hell yeah I, and I'm not like I'm the most skeptical motherfucker in my friend group like I'm pretty much agnostic leaning atheist I don't yeah. really believe in fate but I also believe in saying yes to things that present themselves to you yeah and when those words came back I was like this, I'm gonna spend the next three years of my what life doing this. What if it was some this. bullshit word, would you have made a whole, <laughs> it's no. like, goober. Well, it's, like, <laughs> it's like. It would have been tough if it, like, if it was really like riding the fence between a bullshit word. Yeah, yeah. If it was super bullshit, like, you know, booger, or, like fart sniffer or something, or like, you know, like. You're like, fuck, how am I gonna make this deep? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. And, and honestly, placement was the one word that was like kind of the fence sitting word. Mm. I was like, this seems kind of vague. Right, right. But the more I thought about it, the more I've, I've found my own meaning in That's it. That's cool. And like, you know, I have all this like rhythmic rap that I do. I feel like syllable placement had something to do with that. And like, you know, if I end up exploring privilege, like placement, displacement, like people moving around, it felt, felt actually more relevant the more I started to think about it. That's sick, bro. I'm, I want to talk a little bit about your music videos too because I'm always inspired by your music videos. I'm, I'm a dude who you know wants to do non-traditional hip-hop mm -hmm. videos too and you're like I've, I've always tried some shit with my budgets you know we all try to do finesse yeah. some stuff but you've had some really great videos and i think Thanks, a big man. part of that is like you collaborate with a lot of people who are equally as passionate about just making it work whether there's a big budget or not but also like uh, you went to like school with some of these people too, right? Yeah. Uh, you went to uh, Emerson. Yep. Yep. In Boston. Yeah, Boston, and which a lot of artists. Um, oh, sorry. That's cool. <laughs> That's a Korean um, uh, uh, chatting app. What is that sound? That's uh -oh. when you get a mes message. It's cacao. It's the Korean like WhatsApp. Oh. It, yeah. sa it says cacao. You uncultured fuck. No, I'm kidding. My bad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about like that. I mean, is this something like right out of school, you guys just kept in touch and just continued that relationship? Is this, or yeah. did you guys also collaborate in school? Uh, the people who became my closest 
music video collaborators. Well, one of them, Jackson Adams, yep. he's been like one of my best friends from Emerson since yeah, sophomore year. Shout out Jackson. Also Shout out Jackson Adams. directed and co-wrote with me on uh, Run mm -hmm. DMZ. Yep. yep, he's the man. Uh, but most of the other like heavy music video collaborators of mine, um, Brad Simpson, Alan Gwizdowski, Jess Dunlap, um, I met them in LA like a year after graduation. But I met them because they were running in the same circle mm. as my filmmaking friends. So yeah, I mean, my music videos are good because of the people that I collaborate with, like super talented cinematographers. And I'm, I'm really involved, but the reason they look good is because of the talented people that are willing to keep working with me. Uh, this most recent one that we went and shot in Namibia, I mean, budgetary concerns and creativity were part of the reason it ended up like that like my whole idea with also placement and places being a big thing was like let's go shoot some videos and make this planet that we live on this the star of the video like right. there's so many cool places on the earth i ended up spending a lot of money on these like 15 20 person crew videos in la just to pay people like a reasonable day rate for them oh wait so, I, I also saw like a making of didn't, didn't you guys choose the place you guys are going to go into like a very interesting way we chose it by just sitting down and saying we want to do something in a crazy amazing beautiful oh, place so on you're Earth. just tossing out ideas what are some of the yeah. other places you guys have tossed out like uh, i mean actually the when i started doing this this series i had a whole sheet of like all the cool places i wanted to go to and yeah. Two of them that I most wanted to film in, like, don't exist anymore in the way that I wanted to do them. There mm. was this forest in Eastern Oregon that I saw. I think we might have been on tour that time, or maybe it was like a van tour that I did. But I was driving through Eastern Oregon and I saw this forest where all the rows of trees were in like perfect grid pattern. Oh, wow. For like two miles. And they were really tall. They yeah. were like 40 foot huge. Uh, like not not pine trees they're the kind of deciduous trees they're they lose their leaves in the fall and and i went and looked at pictures of this place in the fall and it's fucking crazy you're on in this like matrix of trees yeah. and people go shoot like wedding photos and stuff there <laughs> they have to sneak over a fence to do it uh that's it was, that's it why it was people, a tree farm we were just talking about this people be traveling yeah. these beautiful places for the wedding photos yeah. you got to get the fire wedding like the wedding photo game right now is it's competitive crazy. as fuck dude instagrams i mean i don't know if you did a tally of like all the people that had fallen off of buildings that they were trying to like selfie right. take or something but yeah it's it's dangerous that, out there that, man <laughs> you were saying but you were at uh maybe maybe uh and you saw some um people taking wedding photos too there yeah yeah in the the dead tree forest and actually where i shot the second video i'm not sure if it'll be out yet when this airs but um we also in namibia went to this abandoned mining town called colmanskop mm -hmm. uh that was a diamond mining town in namibia pretty fucked up history for how it got to be that way. Namibia used to be a German colony and a um, lot of lot of abuses, but this old diamond mining town got abandoned in the 1950s and has just stood there and has these sand dunes that creep up the walls and stuff. And it's in the middle of nowhere and it's really eerie and like haunted looking. And I even saw another like Chinese pre-wedding photography photo <laughs> there too. And I was like, yo, Jesus. what do you want to represent about your marriage? Like right. you want desolation and like <laughs> abandonment and like, at this point, what the hell? At this, <laughs> this point, is where you chose. You can be a creative director for Chinese wedding photos. I think, bro, yeah. you've seen it all. I all mean, I'm I'm all getting into any market, man. But, <laughs> you know, as long as it's that's it's, pretty funny. That's it's, hilarious. It's not super messed up. I'm I'm. If you're trying to hire someone right now and pay me ridiculous money, 
Um, but your video, beautiful, loved it. Oh, the thank stilts, you. Um, let's talk about the stilts and the horns and stuff. Um, uh, I just want to say before we yeah, move on ahead. because I I lost the thread about the oh yeah yeah go forest. ahead go ahead yeah it just got cut down like that's why I didn't go shoot there oh wow it's a tree farm and then I was like planning out the video and then I looked back and that's I'm like fucked up oh they were growing these trees because it's a fucking tree farm and then they I waited too long and they chopped it down. oh wow it's yeah. a tree farm yeah okay that's why they got so tall and that's why I was so cool is because they were like at the end of their rope. That's been I, I like the I like the the wave of just kind of taking a camera dude to putting all the budget into locations. Yes, you know what I mean. Um, I have a friend who does that same thing. Yeah, they just kind of choose his place, just take him a small crew, two three people max. That was the formula, you know, like three people. Yeah, pay the few people that are involved really well, mm -hmm. but you know, like trim all the fat that you can basically, right. and and as many hats as you can wear yourself as an artist, wear them, learn a skill. Do the carpentry and then to answer your still question that was you know i was in the backyard with the director like literally taking apart a pair of stilts that i bought for my stilt instructor and like re-engineering them and and i i found that so gratifying and fun mm -hmm. to like learn new skills to to be involved in all these different aspects of the, the creative process you really do that in a lot of music videos i, I remember you wanted to do like a, choreo a choreographed uh, music video you learn dance moves and shit like oh yeah i did that in my my moral of the story video i look back on that i mean <laughs> well, you don't like it it's i mean it's it's like cringy but it's also i, I you see that's I like why it when i when you told when you told me and i found out like you just wanted to do a choreographed video and you know for once like learn like because sometimes yeah. I, I think about this i like one of the things i wanted to do is take like a hip-hop dance yeah. class this year it's so embarrassing like some dad shit but like I'm like, fuck it, you know, just try new things, take yourself out of the element. And mm -hmm. when I see that, I, I see, you know, see somebody who's like gonna really just be like, I don't give a fuck what people think and still kind of yeah. learn this new thing. And that's a hard thing for anyone to do. It's like a fearless thing. You gotta really put yourself out there to do, you know? I agree, but I think the the thing that I've been trying to keep in the back of my mind when I am learning a new skill or trying to like present a new, me doing a new skill is yeah. like, to at least have a respect for the craft. Right. Because with stilt walking, you know, and, and there's other examples of, of, I'm trying to think of another thing. I mean, choreo, but there's other times where I've done something. I just had a sand sculptor in a video who's like, you know, it's these niche creative fields right. where the people who I've brought on as co-collaborators are at the top of their right, right. small niche field. And they have a lot of pride in the art that they do. Right. And if you're presenting yourself or presenting that art to the broader world, you don't want to be presenting like a bullshit version of that art because it's a disservice I get to you. the people who are really dope at what they do. I'm not going to be the best sand sculptor. I'm not going to be the best stilt walker. Right, right. But to at least like try to be good enough. So, And I mean, it's, it's the same as being a rapper too, you mm -hmm, know, like mm -hmm. just don't make a joke out of the thing that you're doing. 100%. If you care about it, care about it enough to try to do it excellently mm -hmm. even if that doesn't mean you're like you know the best in the world you have respect for the craft exactly and that's why he is in an advanced stilts class right now <laughs> dude i fell i'm not getting back up on those things i busted my my rib and like were, were the rest because i know you were in like a group like a, there was like a other tourists around you and yeah. were they looking at you pretty crazy during that shoot what i thought was gonna be is we're in this location that's like um you know, a world-class photography location that people plan months 
out to like figure out how they're going to get to this remote location right. for these few hours of sunlight to shoot these trees uh, and that we were going to be like fucking up the shots of these very serious nature photographers and I'm going to be like still walking through their, their very serious uh, photo- stuff. So I was like all prepared to be super embarrassed uh, and like apologetic for ruining people's photography. And then I found out it was just you know, a lot of tourists where this was one stop on their trip through Namibia, mm. they weren't as invested. And I ended up being the most entertaining thing there for them. <laughs> yeah, right. I became the show. Like, right, right. They were like all taking pictures of me. No one was asking for permission. Yeah. I was like, it's like goof, a, it was like goofy a, at Disneyland or it was something. Like a, it was like a bonus for them, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they were like, the... fuck these trees. Like there's a dude on stilts right there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is this part of the show? Like, <laughs> Dude. And I was like, I'm going to fucking eat shit in front of all these tourists. That's, They're going to have it. Uh, I'm going to be a meme. Like I'm going to fall in someone <laughs> else's video and right. then be viral on Twitter for falling. And, and the other crazy thing is that those trees there are like world heritage trees there there's there's these tall things that if i wanted to stabilize myself and Mm. get my balance i have something to grab onto but i'm not allowed to touch it right because they're like antique trees oh that i would pull a branch off of right 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 there's these people around who are the the site um it can get some serious trouble yeah yeah i would go to like like international criminal court or something yeah, that's like if you go to Hawaii, like there's grounds, you know, that have like ancient mm. rocks and stuff. Yeah. And I, I wanted to be respectful too. Like yeah. I didn't want to go. It's like it, it could have been if I f- did it badly, fucked it up, was disrespectful to the environment, like such a parody. Like white rapper goes to Africa oh and rips down the ancient tree forest. <laughs> you know, that's like, the headline for sure. That is the headline oh my God, for like, sure. Dude, I, I just really didn't want it to, <laughs> that to happen. Let me let me ask you this. What what is um you know have you've toured all around? Have you toured Asia actually? Mm, I played India twice. India. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how's that actually? I, I'm curious about India. I've had almost an opportunity to go there. Yeah. I haven't gone there yet. But. Um, I had an awesome time. I I had that opportunity because I have a friend who has like made a career of concert promotion in India. Oh, cool. So it wasn't just like. I'm huge in in New Delhi or something. Yeah, so there was like there. a plug you had there. Yeah, I had a plug. I went and played a couple festivals. It's uh, an amazing country. The the food, the people, the the like richness of centuries of culture. Like yeah. every city that you go to is just just so chock full of like century after century of culture. Every street corner that you're on. Yeah, uh, and it was it was an amazing experience. I, I was supported and met cool people and ate like a king and you know it's also there's tons of poverty and you're you're faced with these two realities and i mean i I felt it most extremely in mumbai where you have the richest district with skyscrapers towering over these huge slums yeah the wealth gap is crazy right yeah, yeah it's just it's just a lot of everything it's a lot of people it's a lot of smells it's a lot of culture it's a lot of of extreme poverty and and human misery that you see um but I felt very alive and grateful. Yeah. yeah, and then the energy from the crowd was great. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I I want I want to definitely hop along to that Watsky Asia tour eventually. Um, if that goes down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll we'll Have collaborate. I'll, in- I'll make the the India thing happen, and then I'll tag oh, yeah. along with you to Korea. That'd be fire. Have you seen like what your Asia fan base looks like? Like you know, looking at any <laughs> analytics or what? I as What's far it? as I know, it's non-existent. Like outside of maybe a few people in India, I. It pretty much like where English is spoken most heavily, 
that's where I have. Fans. I find that interesting. We've gone to places though in Europe where you know English yeah. is not the the number one language, and I'm not the number one, but people barely speaking. We went to Milan. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I remember not many spoke English there. But I it was also, I don't know if you remember this, but that show bombed. Yeah, like, yeah. There were like 12 <laughs> that, people at that to show. To be fair, that's true. That <laughs> I is true. I haven't been back to Italy since then because nobody came to You're this right, right. I, I will say that Europe tour was one of the most interesting yeah. for me because, you know, it was definitely outside my comfort zone. And in going to these places, we drove around Europe, yeah. took ferries. And we, we were in places that, like, I never thought we would have toured, you know, because there's these European stops usually through festivals, you know. Mm -hmm. But these were just like we're, <laughs> we're playing venues like like a like a band, like a um, a local band who's traveling through Europe. It was yeah. sick. That's yeah, I, the, the power of the Internet, man. It's crazy. That was fire, bro. I, I remember that Milan shows particularly because the English was not no. getting through. <laughs> no, I did a, like a TV appearance on an Italian TV station yeah. where they just asked me questions in Italian. <laughs> And I was like, and my, my response would be like, yeah, I, I don't know what you just asked me, but like, I'm really excited for the show tonight. That's and like, hilarious. it's going to be great. Like, we're all loving Italy. And then they would pretend that they understood me and then ask another question in Italian. And yeah, like, yeah. It was like we were having completely different conversations and pretending we understood each other. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask you um, what, you know, you've dabbled in so much stuff with like writing books to even doing a web series and you know I was inspired to do my web series off of yours actually and um, I connected through the same people we had the same production company that mm -hmm. did that and I was wondering like if there was any interest uh, in for you to expand into other mediums you know I mean mm -hmm. you've already kind of dabbled in it but you know from here on yeah I moving mean, forward I've been trying to speak a novel into existence mm. for like three years since I wrote my essay collection fiction just, or nonfiction fiction fiction yeah I I've done so much autobiographical writing for most of my life that right. I really want to turn that corner that could be said and write other people's stories I just haven't been able to carve the time out and I really wanted to do it before this tour but um, I didn't make it happen and, and I'm not used to setting goals like that and not accomplishing them so hopefully after this tour I will I mean, what I really want to do is be able to write a write a novel and then turn it into a screenplay and you know make some inroads to like narrative filmmaking too Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I feel like music videos have been sort of a training ground to learn about film. And right. that's if I could dream up my five year from now world, I'd be touring three months out of the year or like three months or four months every other year or something. And then I'd be writing a book, writing a screenplay, doing narrative stuff on the side. Is that where you is that where you like enjoy where you enjoy yourself the most as an entertainer, like oh, as an artist on stage? I love what part what, what part of the process is your favorite actually like you know is it in the studio is it on stage or it's 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 a tie between the live show and making music videos oh, okay yeah. I I love making videos because filmmaking is the most collaborative art form in the world every art form comes together into filmmaking and I love collaborating with talented people and just building ideas together I so, do too I find yeah. that to be one of the most stressful though mm. out of all the sections the music video part is stressful and it's very uh, stressful afterwards when you're going back and forth with the footage, I feel like. Sometimes yeah. I'll get like uh, edit and like I dread opening the email. I started editing my own stuff. Or, oh, really? Or at least editing it with the director. So yeah, like we're, go we're going great. back and forth. That's good. I yeah. feel like that that's the way to do it. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, and just for all the cats out there, you know, every independent artist, you're pretty much co-directing the music video always. You know, you're always there and helping out. There's like only a few videos I let, I was like, take the wheel. Yeah. You know? I did that a couple times. I, I let my buddy Carlos take the wheel on this one. Actually, like one of my most serious songs about um, three perspectives of a, a shooter, which which is kind of similar in some ways to Eminem's new song, except that I like also did the newscaster and then a politician reflecting on this like mm. shooting event. And then Carlos directed a video that's me playing like a shepherd with all these sheep doing dances. And it was like the most left field possible way to take that video. Right, right. But you know, just yeah. gave, gave him the keys. I did. I had to help me do the same thing. Uh, New York Nico, who has amazing Instagram. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. He, he did my stupid ass video like oh, eight years ago. Yeah. As Ricky Shabazz. Yeah, Ricky Shabazz and the Boom Bat Boys. I didn't know we had a we have a yeah. video, but that's you see. I he feel, went to Emerson. Oh word, that's yeah. crazy. I feel very lucky. Nick Heller. Yeah, Nick Heller. I have. I'm very lucky to have a music video by him because he's doing some amazing stuff mm -hmm. too. Um, Shout out Nick Heller. Nick Heller, one of the rare ones who have a music video by Nick Heller too. He hasn't done music yeah. videos in years, but he had this one treatment. He was like, I've been really wanting to shoot this thing. It had nothing to do with the thing. Guy in a hot dog suit getting beat up, mm -hmm. ketchup and mustard pouring out. It's like acid tripped out. But yeah. man, it turned out so fucking good. I loved it. I loved the video. Yeah, no, he's got a, like a really twisted sense of humor and, and aesthetic. And, and I think at that point where I did the stupid ass video, like I was not doing like, I think my stuff's gotten a little darker and a mm -hmm. little more out there. But at that point, Nick was like way further along the curve than me in terms of being willing to push the envelope with that stuff so i'm glad that i worked with him because yeah, i had him on the pod too actually yeah. cool it's a small world like uh, you went to school college with him nora my friend aquafina who worked at a video store with him no when shit. they were 15 <laughs> like whoa so pre-college yeah it's so crazy like so in is, high is school he from queens then he's from new york i don't know if he's from queens but yeah he's definitely you know new york but yeah I, it's so crazy. Yeah, they know each other. And then I met him because when he was doing all these music videos, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to get a music video done by him, so reached out. Yeah, yeah he's got that iconic little like like video teaser. Ricky Shaban. Yeah, and boom bap boys. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has one of my favorite Instagram accounts like out yeah. right now. It's, it's just fire. Unofficial and, casting director of New York City. He's really like the new age street photographer mm -hmm. of New York City. You know what I mean? Like the classic days of, you know, New York uh, street photographers. He's yeah. kind of like the new version of that with little Instagram videos. You know, yeah. I fucking love it. Um, well, George, um, thanks for stopping by. I, I, I've was very curious about some of the creative process because I'm trying to like just bite it and <laughs> but uh, I'm always inspired by all the work you're doing like every project there's something new videos popping up you know I we don't catch up often but I'm definitely let's watching just, like, actually get a drink sometime. yeah let's do it yeah let's do it. I don't know what you're drinking nowadays if you're drinking alcohol kombucha I don't know what the fuck you're on I'm not a kombucha guy man <laughs> you yeah. don't fuck with kombucha no I'll take I see y'all I know what you guys don't judge a book by his cover I know you thought he drank kombucha <laughs> <laughs> no kombucha. We'll go huh? drink some whiskey somewhere. Yeah, let's do it. I haven't been drinking. I'm a, I'm a I'm more like a clear soda guy now. Oh, are you teetotaling? You're you're not I, drinking alcohol? No, no, I drink I drink alcohol, but I'm saying I I drink like vodka soda or like Got tequila it. soda. I don't I don't do whiskey no more. Okay. I used to be like whiskey Jameson. How about mezcal? Is that too too whiskey-ish? Mezcal is cool. I don't know if I like that smokiness. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that little smoky taste. But I know mezcal is like the bougie tequila. We're also allowed to go get drinks and drink different things from each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> People <know>. do that. <laughs> it's like, how are we going to make this work? Let's compromise. <laughs> 
but uh look out for um george's next uh album coming out it's not, it hasn't been an oh, yeah it will have been at this point placement okay placement um and music videos following up and in the tour yep uh, which should be happening when this comes out. Yeah, it starts in late March, going out with Travis Thompson, who's the man, and a bunch of other awesome people. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming, brother. Thank uh, you. Tune in next week for another episode of Fun With Dumb. Yeah.